0: It's looking for where there is value to be created, right? Or where there's a gap. You know, when people ask me, what what do you recommend? How can I prepare for this? Or how how can I get better at this? Assess your environment, right? Assess your current team. And look at what your your team is collectively really, really bad at and figure out how to become good at that. My
1: story is is not that different. It's you know kind of the see a need, fill a need. You see a problem and you you own it, and you solve it to completion, and, and inevitably that takes you across, you know, divisional boundaries as to where you start to gain the attention of other people. And then next thing you know, you know, you've got people in different departments that know your name and know who you are and they start to lean on you.
2: Hey everyone, I'm so glad to be back with another episode of Cloud Talk. As you know, we took a bit of a break last year, but I'm so happy that we're back creating them today. I learned so much from the folks that I get to talk to. Now, as you know, our goal here at the Rackspace Solve Program is to help you be better and to make better decisions for your company and for yourself. Now, in today's episode, I have Travis Runty and Josh Pruitt. Two incredible leaders here at Rackspace sharing, well, not necessarily about Rackspace, but about their careers. It's my hope that their experiences will help you and your career. Now, after the interview, I've got some updates for you and information about our next guest on Cloud Talk. So stick around after the interview.
1: The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking a sweat.
0: That's really what the promise
1: of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter.
2: Now, when I, when I got to know each of you when you started here at Rackspace, um, you, you, your, your jobs were not high and lofty. In fact, Travis, when when I met you, I'd come in to help build out this SharePoint thing. And we used this system inside of Rackspace to help keep track of all the things. It was core to our business. And, uh, and so, I, I, I was asking um, some folks, how do I learn about this? And they said, go talk to Travis Runty. That's his job. He directs tickets all around the, the company inside of here. So go spend some time with, with Travis. So Travis, what was that first job?
0: Yeah. So that was me, you know, wanting to become a Linux engineer, but not quite being strong enough at Linux to be a Linux engineer. Yeah. And so I took a role at Rackspace. Uh, it was called the support specialist. And basically it was answering phones, uh, kind of triaging customers' concerns and directing them to the right technical resource that can get them the, the help that they needed. Very cool. And how old were you when you took that job? Oof. How old was I? Twenty three? Twenty-two? Twenty-three? What was your job yeah. before you came to Rackspace? Yeah, so it was before I came to Rackspace, I was a network engineer at a local water utility okay. company. And um, you know, I was deep into the Cisco Windows ecosystem. And we actually converted uh, our call center from Cisco Call Manager to an Asterix uh, open source or Trixbox solution. Okay. And that's when I was introduced to Linux was in VoIP. And uh, that's when I knew I wanted to, to, to do it full time. Like
2: this could, be, this could be my career. Now, uh, Josh, I introduced you as well. What is your title here today?
1: What is it you do for Rackspace? Yeah, so I'm our senior vice president in private cloud um, and the chief product officer. And what was your first job at Rackspace? My my first job at Rackspace, I was a website support technician. So that is um, similar to Travis. It was, hey, we think you might eventually be good at technology, but you're not good enough to be an L1 today. Um, And so that that was my job, right? It was. um, I worked for Cloud Sites when Rackspace had that offering, and I remember in the interview they said, um, I, I I asked them, I said, so you're saying that I can work second shift and miss traffic and get paid more money. And they said, yeah, that's the case. So I was second shift working 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. doing, uh, you know, frontline phone calls, chat support, all that good stuff. Man, all the stuff. And, And Travis,
2: what's your title here today? Yeah. So,
1: the title today
2: is CTO of our public cloud business. Yeah, I say today because you know this is this is technology. I mean, anything can happen tomorrow, but for today, we're good. So, okay. I think that that when we use the when we think about RackSpace, and I think this is true of a lot of technology companies, that the word meritocracy really starts to shine. You know, that you can advance in your career um, based on, in large part, your ability to do what you're told to deliver to bring value to the to the organization because obviously there were there were leaders along the way that that saw that what you guys were doing was creating value you were you were studying on your own time you were coming up to speed on on the things that we do and and off you went to the races and um, and so I'm curious to you know one of my first questions or thoughts is, do you think that's true of a lot of of industries uh, I guess it's a two part question one when you started at Rackspace, so that would have been back you know, travis I came here in, in two thousand and eight and you were here before I got here, so that's a while ago um and do you think that it is more or less true of other industries today so Josh, starting with you what, what how much do you think this has changed over time and and affecting other industries?
1: Oh, man. So I, I do think that um, it's maybe slightly more true in technology because in technology, you know, it's it's maybe a little bit easier to prove what you are capable of and, and what you can do. There's also so many other things like certifications that exist out there um, that maybe aren't like your traditional, uh, you know, four-year degree path. Um, it, it, but, you know, the advice that I give to, like, I'll call them young people, which makes me feel real old. <laughs> um, the, the, the advice I give to the youths is, um, you know, find find a good company that will, um, you know, that is large where you have room for growth, and then work your butt off. Um, and you know, I, I speaking for myself, it's worked out really well for me. Uh, you know, obviously, it's worked out for for you, Travis, and you, Jeff, as well um because i do think that there's there's a key point in there of find a company of size where you can go and work your butt off because then you're not you're not capped by hey you've got to wait for the person ahead of you to either right. die or quit right like that's that's the problem with working in you know small companies is you know you can only go so far before you're you know log jammed and you have to wait for that person ahead of you to die or to quit um and then you have nowhere else to go and i think that's been one of the benefits of being at rackspace that you know, When I joined, we were about 2,000 employees. Today, we're about 7,000 employees. Um, and so that's, that's always given the opportunity for there to be something else to go do, something else to go learn.
2: Well, in your career, you bounced around around the company a fair amount. But before you get into that, I want to go over, you know, Travis, how, how have you seen it? Because you have also been a person, as you've grown in your career, that have had a, a pretty fair amount of people reporting to you in different phases in the career. So when you think about, you know, what you would look for or, you know, the behaviors of what you see inside of the tech industry or outside of the tech industry, how do you see that changing?
0: Yeah, so... It's interesting. Um, you mentioned earlier, you doing what you're told, right? It's not that no. it's, it's, it's looking for where there is value to be created, right? Or where there's a gap, right? Uh, and so, you know, when people ask me, what, what do you recommend? How can I prepare for this? Or how can I, how can I get better at this? Um, assess your environment, right? Assess your current team. And look at what your your team is collectively really really bad at, and figure out how to become good at that. Like that's been my my that's your M. My M- over and over again. Who are we as a team? Where are we not good at? And and I love learning new things. And 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 one unique unique thing about the technology industry is that I can go Google something. I can go YouTube some some videos and. I have the right to explore, and if I get it wrong, I'm not going to, like, take down a hospital or something crazy, right? It's I have space to try things and create and explore. So give me an example of a
2: time you saw an opportunity, you saw a hole in the team and thought, I can do this.
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think if I go way, way back, uh, it comes down to we were deploying a ton of Magento instances, yeah. right? I was an emerging Linux engineer that, you know, had some MySQL skills and so you know, I, could, I, could, I could establish a LAMP stack pretty well. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, we were, we were deploying full Magento stacks, which is an e-commerce platform, and uh, it was not going well. And, you know, I jumped in, I understood, you know, what, what the nuances, what the best practices were for for Magento. And before I knew it, you know, I had most of the Magento customers at Rackspace and I had started, I'd I'd created a sub vertical of of expertise that nobody even considered or was a, was a thing until it became a thing. Super interesting.
2: Uh, And Josh, for you, you know, you, um, you're just talking about how, you know, find a a company that's got some size that you can move around inside. And your career did take you or has taken you through some, a lot of different. A lot of different areas. Um, how have how have you earned? This could be a hard thing, I think, for some people. You know, you're you're in the team that you're in. You look over the 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 cubicle row. You look over the dotted lines and realize I want to work over there. How do you how did you go about establishing uh, a relationship and trust with some of those hiring managers who would say I'll take a chance on old Josh.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think, I think Travis said it well. So one, Travis's inbox is now going to fill up with people looking for help on their Magento deployment. Uh, So So, like this is, this is Travis launching his consultancy business for, for Magento services. Um, (laughs) but you know, my story is, is not that different. It's, um, you know, kind of the see a need, fill a need, um, you see a problem and you you own it and you saw it to completion and and inevitably that takes you across you know divisional boundaries it takes you across reporting lines to where you know you start to gain the attention of other people and then you know that sort of snowballs on itself um next thing you know you know you've got people in different departments that you know know your name and know who you are and they start to lean on you and then you know word word kind of gets around i think that um you know, people, everybody wants to work with you know competent folks, and yeah. um, and so once they once they've found somebody they feel like they can trust, you know that that uh, you know reputation starts to spread, and so that's that's kind of what happened with me. You know, is um, I would like I said I frontline chats, phone calls, tickets, all that good stuff, and you always want to make sure your customer's taken care of, and you want to see all of those um, you know any incident to completion. So you invariably you go across you know, different lines, you start to meet and, and learn about different people. Um, and then one of the other, um, you know, I call it keys to my success is, um, doing the job that nobody else wants to do mm-hmm. or the job that everybody else found too hard. Right. Um, you know, so my story, like Travis's on Magento, my story would be, um, Early on in my career, like I said, I started on second shift working for our cloud sites. Then I became an L1 Linux administrator, um, eventually like being becoming a lead tech on first shift. And I was going to step into management. And my choices were to be a second manager on first shift where things were largely under control and worked really well, or go be a manager on our second shift team where we had lots of problems and we'd gone through you know manager turnover and things like that. Um, And so in in my mind, I thought, oh, well, I'll go to second shift, right? Because worst case scenario, I'm, you know, just yet another person who failed. But best case scenario, I turn it around and, you know, I can make a real impact and a big difference
2: yeah so um, so a couple of things I want to unpack there but but one of them is you know when you when you work with those other teams you know you start to get some attention across the cubicle aisles across those those dotted areas what I've observed and I've seen people succeed and I'm sitting here with a couple or seen people fail and I've seen uh, people succeed like like with you guys here and where I see them fail is the the way I tend to see it happen most is somebody will say hey you know that 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 Travis he gets things done well I've got this special project, this thing we're trying to solve for. Travis may be over here trying to be the world, you know, the god of of all things Magento, but then somebody says, hey, Travis, in, along those lines, could you help solve this thing? I can't pay you any more money, and it's going to take a little more time out of your day, but can you help us out with that thing? And here's where I see people fail. They were really like... Well, I can help you with it, but if you want me to do two jobs, you can pay me for two jobs. I've had people quit when, when you, know, you get into a rough patch and somebody has to step up, or there's an opportunity for someone to grow, and you think, I'm going to give you that opportunity to grow, and they're like, how dare you? How dare you? So so what goes through your mind when when you know somebody comes knocking on the door and they say, hey, Travis, can
0: you give us a little of your time? Yeah. So in a, in a role, what I've always focused on is not my current role, right? It's, it's where those opportunities and where do I want to grow to? Uh, and so I love those opportunities. Those are stretch opportunities. That's right. right? Yeah. And so, uh, and then Josh kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, referenced this earlier, but on those stretch opportunities, you also have a lot more space for, for forgiveness of failure. Mm. Uh, not that you're planning for failure, right? But you, you aren't expected well, to be a amazing. little softer unless if it's not your full-time yeah. job. Yeah, so you could be a little bit more bold. You can, you know, you get a little bit more forgiveness, uh, and so those are perfect opportunities. You have this amazing, elevated exposure opportunity with a whole lot of forgiveness to to, to learn it. Right. Like, that's.
2: Now, here's an interesting question. So sometimes I've seen also there can be leaders who will be a little bit parasitic and they'll find the people who want to dig in a little bit deeper and they will exploit them. We don't see it as much around here, but maybe there's been one or two over the years. Have either of you ever had an ex- had an experience with somebody like that where you realize, I need to back off a little bit?
1: You know, I'll, you for, know for, for me... me yeah, for for me, I don't I don't think that I've had that. Um, you know, nobody's nobody's coming to mind for it. One of the, one of the pieces that I would add on to what Travis had said is, um, I, I think making sure that you understand um, the value to the business that the thing that you're working on brings. Why oh, is right? important? Um, and and that's that's so key because it, 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 as long as you understand. Like who's really driving it? Is it just your direct manager? Is it a manager in a different department? Like like who's who's really driving it, and what's the value to the business that it brings? And is it a priority of you know that key executive? Right. And and if it is, then then great, right? But if it's not, then you've got a question like, hey, is this. Is this the thing where everybody wants to be spending their time? And it's really easy to figure out, like right? especially at Rackspace, where our whole executive team is is extremely accessible, right? Like you can you can go and have a conversation with our CEO MR and and say, like, hey, is this a priority? Is this what I should be working on? And I think that he'll give really good clear direction and advice on it. And so for for somebody who did find themselves in a position like that, Jeff, where they were worried about like, hey, I feel like Am I being taken advantage of here? Am I doing too much? And like, make sure that it really is part of the strategic direction of whatever company it is that you're working for. Yeah. Um, and if it is, then you know, go attach yourself to it and knock it out of the park and do amazing things. Love that. Um, And if it's not, then you know, find find something that is. Find something. So that's
0: a really great point, Josh. And I will say that was a lesson that I learned pretty early on. Uh, and I'll tell you, there was a shift in how I approached it was say complicated or complex engagements. Um, you know, I, I, I like simple, I like low maintenance and, uh, I grew up, um, being told that, you know, just figure it out, yeah, figure it out. Right. Don't make a fuss about it. Just make it happen. Figure it out. Right. And while that's a great mentality and it's a great way to to get things done, it's a really, really bad way to make sure that your efforts are noticed. Mm. Um, and so, you know, if I had a, a customer base, my goal was to make it the most uneventful customer base possible. Yeah. And what I found was, this is probably an unpopular opinion, but, you know, so my, my my competition, right? My teammates with louder, less managed customer bases, we're getting a whole lot more cycles with the leadership. Right. And so they the top of mind and, you know, I was really, really working crazy to keep a really you'd say manageable or cooperative customer base yeah. and i just wasn't getting any visibility right i was really knocking it out of the park yeah. but no one knew what i was doing and so there is a a slight i say slight because it can be overdone very 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 quickly but there's a slight element to make sure that you are marketing your efforts and your progress as well that's a responsibility that people undervalue uh pretty often
2: This episode of Cloud Talk is sponsored by Cisco AppDynamics. Technical environments are getting more complex and Cisco AppDynamics is helping to cut through the noise. Their full stack observability solutions help make every tech decision a business decision and keep everyone All on the same page. AppDynamics software enables deeper understanding of both user and application behavior so that your teams can see, share, and take action all in real time. Just go to appdynamics.com to learn more, schedule a live demo, or even start a 15-day free trial to see the difference for yourself that Cisco AppDynamics can make in your mission critical applications. All right, with that, let's get back to the program. That's a really good point to bring up in that there there is a need to like you say very very carefully and very cautiously but to market yourself. Make sure that the right people can have visibility to what's to what's going on. And it brings up really an interesting point that I've talked about a lot over on the live stream and that is the 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 need and the use of mentors. How has how has that factored into both of y'all's careers here in thinking about not just, how do I go find that next job or start doing it now and get the right attention, but actually start to consult with some folks who are a few clicks ahead inside of the organization, be it formally or informally. How has that worked out? Josh, over to, to you.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I, I I always think that mentoring is such an interesting concept because like if somebody asked me today, like, Hey, who are, who are your mentors? It'd be hard for me to point to somebody. Cause I've never had that conversation where I go to somebody like you're in middle school and said, Hey, will you go out with me? Will you be my mentor? Um, <laughs> I, 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 I never, I, I've never, I've never had that conversation, but there's a lot of people that I, I, you know, look to for advice. I mean, look, both of you guys, like we have our text conversations or signal conversations where, you know, we'll, we'll just chat back and forth. And, uh, there's, there's people that are in, you know, even more like, like very junior roles where I'll value their opinion. And so I think that mentorship doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be like this, you know, Oracle C level, you know, grizzled gray haired, uh, person that I is, is like your, that is your mentor. I like, don't like that <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be that right. Like like a, a mentor can be anybody who gives you advice that you find valuable right no, it's a call um, out oh, and, and 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 so i think that you know finding those people finding your people whose advice you value and advice you trust and then it doesn't really matter like where they are in their career, what industry they're in. Um, because as you think about problems that you have, you'll have your network of people who, you know, you can bounce the idea off of them and, you know, whether it's a, a, an email draft that you think maybe you want to send to the CEO or maybe it's, you know, a career advice or something like that. You've got your people that you can bounce things off of. Um, and so it's been, it's been immensely important to me at Rackspace, Right. Um, I've gone through, I've lost count at this point, but I'm going to guess it's probably upwards of 18 to 20 bosses. Um, And some of them have been absolutely amazing and fantastic. Some of them haven't been as great, right? But you can always learn something from everybody. Oh, You really can. How about you, Travis? How has that factored
2: into
0: your career? Yeah. uh, So I've had great mentors, uh, most of them unofficial. And it's interesting that everybody needs or expects something different from a mentor, right? I've had, I've had folks that uh, are unable to like relay a message that's well-intended, but not be received well-intended, right? That's a great opportunity to have a sounding board of a person that could hear your message and help you tailor that message, right? I'll tell you personally where where I've leveraged mentors in the past uh, is is understanding context and perspective. Uh, Uh, That's so good. Yeah. And so like, I think as an engineer, young engineer, especially there's a tendency to have your world, right. Your own world where you make up your own reality. And you think that the technology is the center of the world and you know, all this great stuff and really, you know, having some senior leaders that can, can help you say, well, we're doing this or we're approaching this because of ABC. Yeah. Here's the why here's the why. Right. And, and, And then you realize, oh, man, this is a bigger ecosystem than just me on a console. Uh, or this is why we're making this what I thought was a really stupid decision. Yeah. Uh, but really, really helping me understand the context or the perspective, also me understand the why, you know, a person's intent, which, you know, if I understand a person's intent and it's just know, delivered like well uh, poorly delivered or poorly received. Yeah. I can work around that if I understand the intent. So there's a lot of value in that.
2: And that's really been compounded, especially in the past few years where rarely are even the three of us in the same room um, because now everything is happening in the context of teams, chats or text or signals to your point, Josh, in you knew context is really hard to maintain there and an intent gets super hard to maintain. Um so, uh, both of you have risen now at a point inside of the organization where either now or in the past, you've had pretty substantial teams. You've been in charge of, of, of hiring and firing uh, all through it. So let's talk just for a second about the, that first, that Josh, you already breached this, but that first leadership role, that first manager role, um, you know, what were you, why, why were you pursuing, Josh, a move from, hey, I'm really great on the console and I can do the thing because a lot of people don't successfully, you know, jump the chasm.
1: Yeah, man. Um so here's where I make my joke that like those who can do those who can't manage. Um, and so, you know, like not, not trying to stir up all the, all the hate for management. Um, so I, I say that in jest. Um, but you know, I, I did know that for me, I looked at a lot of, um, folks that would have been principal or distinguished architects and engineers like yeah. within, within Rackspace at the time I looked at them and I thought, man, like I'm, I'm a good technical person, but I will never be at that level. Right. Um, and you know, maybe I was selling myself short. Maybe I wasn't, but I, I did recognize that I had a pretty good knack for um, business and being that translation layer between technical people and technical requirements and business and business requirements. That's, it's so um, important, yeah. And, and so, like, to me, that's why it made sense to go into management and to go into leadership was that I could be that technical leader and mm-hmm. I could multiply myself through others by, you know, sharing with them what made me successful as a technical person um, so that they could, you know, themselves then go and be successful as well. Right. How about how about you, Travis? What was that that first role
2: uh, that that you moved over to where now you're not just an individual contributor or IC as we call them? Um, why why did you make the jump?
0: Yeah, I can make a, probably a really good, interesting story that's that tells a good good reason. Uh, but you know, I'll tell you the the real path for me joining a leadership team or become joining leadership is I was an IC. My boss uh, got promoted, and so they're going to backfill. him and i wasn't that was no big deal for me right i'll get a new boss and then i found out that a couple of my peers were were applying for it and i was like i did not want to work for (laughs) 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 this (laughs) guy. so they're gonna do it i'm gonna do it (laughs) Uh, that's how it it went down (laughs) that's what's a really good story
2: especially as you know somebody you think oh you can you can't even you know you can't find your way around a shell let alone, you know, an HR system to manage my life
1: man I think it's so so one that's that's a hilarious story and and in the you know thirteen years that I've known Travis, I actually have never heard that one before that's that's <laughs> one that's fantastic but but to me it highlights something that I think is important, and that is that management is a different career path mm-hmm. than being a technical person yeah. right and and like obviously for travis like this it it worked out well right um but one of the things that we often see is Um, Hey, you're really, really, really good at doing the thing, go and manage other people to do the thing. And it doesn't always work out. out. Because, you know, being a really great technical person doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a really great leader of people. Right. And it's as, as, as I grew and I started to manage managers it was one of the things that I would, you know, coach them on as they move from that IC role into a management role, is that it's a it's a totally different career path. Right. It is people leadership and people development. Um, and a dash of the thing that you are so great at, but you've got to really, you know, be willing to do the people leadership and people development and, and recognize that that is your job right. um, as opposed to, you know, being the person who's really good at the thing.
2: Yeah, because if you think about it before, your job was to make the system better. Now your job is to make a human better so that they can exactly. make the system better. All right. So let's continue in the, the trust tree here with, with Travis, what was the hardest part that he, that he started? So Josh, what was the hardest part of making that shift? Something
0: you didn't expect or something
2: that was like, Oh crap, I'm, I messed that up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I know exactly what it was because I had a, a practical meltdown over it. And so, uh, you know, as an engineer, I, uh, Systems do what they're told, yeah. right? Uh, and it's a very direct sort of thing, right? It, they'll, they'll do the wrong thing if you tell them to do the wrong thing, but they'll do what, you, what it's told, right? Uh, and but you feel like you're making quick impact, and you're you're able to make quick decisions, right? Yeah. And you're just boom, 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 go, go, go. Uh, when I joined the leadership team. Um, I did not feel effective at all. Right. (sighs) Um, I couldn't come to quick decisions. Uh, I didn't feel like I was making the team better. Right. Uh, I didn't feel like I was building a followership or buy-in or momentum, momentum. And, uh, I was like, what am I doing wrong? I can't do anything. Nothing is moving the way it needs to move. I'm not moving it forward. It's not, it's yeah. And my leader at the time tells me this, you have to influence. It's a, it's a much, much, much slower process. You have to influence. You have to operate in spaces of gray, right? Uh, and you have to, to be okay, you know, compromising a little bit more frequently. And and for me, that was a really, really, really big piece because I just felt ineffective for a really long time. Right. And then I, I, I learned to embrace that, say, ambiguity.
2: Nice. How about you, Josh? What, 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 caught, what was hard for yeah.
0: you?
1: Um, one, I, th- I think, I think Travis's answer was great, right? Yeah, right. I, um, you know, it, it was described to me and I've described it to others as when you're, when you're an IC, you oftentimes you get wins every day, right? Um, as an IC, I might answer, you know, 80 tickets in a day and solve 80 different customer problems. Um, right. And I would have a lot of wins in that day. Um, and then you move into leadership and, your wins are fewer and farther in between, right? You're taking on larger projects that take a long time to get out, and and, and things like that. And so your 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 wins feel like they're they're further off. Um, my answer though is going to be different. My, my answer is um, the performance management side, mm. right? Um, and this is something that you know I, I talked about people who go from um, ICs, you know, people doing the thing, to managing people who do the thing. Um, the struggle that they all have is performance management. And the reason why is because the reason they were promoted to being a manager is because they didn't have any of those problems. And so like they've, they've never even been in the room when a performance improvement plan is being delivered. They have, they have no idea how to have that conversation because they've never been on the receiving end of it. They've never seen it happen. And so, you know, fortunately at Rackspace we have um, really great manager onboarding and like new manager training to kind of help step through that. We have you know really great HR partners that help you know people step through that. Um, but that I for for me was the most difficult thing about going from IC to to manager. You know, however long ago that was.
2: Wow, oh, it's re- really really. Um great examples uh you know it's a really cool point to to bring out Josh and the fact that you know you got promoted because you're knocking things out of the park not because you had great experience in pips oh this is how I do that oh yeah just like the last time I got one no you never got one <laughs> Um, so, you know, Travis, you mentioned when you're giving your example, uh, of having to be comfortable in moving in the gray and I can think, and uh, living in the gray and I can think of no other example of, of being a leader in having to exist in the gray, than hiring new employees, even sometimes when they're coming from a neighboring department, but especially when they're coming from outside, because you can look at the piece of paper, but at the end of the day, it's worth just about that piece of paper. So so talk about, you know, as you've hired people, let's talk about some of the things that that you found works well. When when do you start to feel that that tick in the gut that says, I could make this bet?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think uh, bringing the team along with you is a huge piece, right? Because uh, it's a community effort to onboard yeah. every team member. And, you know, if they're not bought in on the potential or the fit of, of a new team member, that's a really painful process for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think there's different approaches. People will, uh, people, you know, apply pressure during the interview process to see, you know, what cracks form. Uh, I don't love that, that, that strategy at times because yeah. it's not really inviting, right, or recruiting. At, but um, I do think there is uh, some value in creating a tense situation during yeah. the interview. Um and, and, you know, the best way that I find to do that is I, I go through a resume and I find a specific achievement that they're proud of. And mm. I actually understand what their direct what their actual role was in that. Right. Not All just that right. they participated. But, um, you know, I think that it has to be a, a, a team effort. I think that. You can make the process as exhausted as, as possible, um, you can make the vetting as exhaustive as possible, but reality is you're taking a leap for every external hire that you do. Yeah, uh, you really are, and so you'll get it wrong, right? You will get it wrong. If you do enough hires, you're gonna get it wrong. Yeah, and so well, I, mean, I think we'll being prepared. It. Yeah, I think being prepared to have that performance management conversation when you do get it wrong is is is, is the hardest part, but it's probably the least commonly done.
2: So, but, but so to, to double down on that, then, you know, you're, you're making a, you're making a bet, you're making a gamble that, that your initial findings and feelings and the whole, that of the team, that this person's going to be a win. Um, you know, how much leash do you give, you know, when you think about that at, at, and isn't that maybe even also the value of the pip because you can say, whoo this isn't going so well, let's just not cut and run, but let's find a way to make you successful.
0: Yeah. So if you're, if I'm ever on the edge, right, I would much, much, much rather miss the right hire than make the wrong hire. Mm -hmm. It's all, it's a, it's a tremendous drain on every element to coach, to improve, to right size, right, right fit a bad, uh, that is an exhaustive process. Um, and so, but from a, from a, uh, leash or runway perspective, you know, I would say it depends on where the misfit is, right? Uh, or not misfit, where the lack of fit is. Yeah. um, You know, is it a personality or a character flaw? I don't think those, you can't fix that. You can't right? fix that. So, and so and that's a pretty quick one to address. Yeah. Uh, is it, man, we place this person in the wrong role? Like they're really a racker fit, uh, they're a team fit. But just the way their communications now, or the way they process things, or their technical background, just not a fit. Yeah, I think we have a ton of leeway or opportunity to to get flexible there. Yeah.
2: So, Josh, I think Travis really nailed that one. But let's let's talk for you, to you for a second about you know what are things that stand out when you're when you're going through the process with someone that are either like ah oh, solid, love to work with this person, or what are maybe some characteristics of this is not a fit here.
1: So uh, I, for for me, you know, you can call it culture if you want, right? Like I think cultural fit is the most important thing. Um, you know, I, uh, a lot of the times I, I joke that I'll spend more time with y'all than I will with my family, and so um, you know, I, I really hope I like you. Um, <laughs> and so, so I, I think cultural fit is part of that. And and what cultural fit really means is it's it's your attitude. It's you. It's how you show up. It's your willingness to listen and learn. Um, it's, you know, do you show humility or, you know, do you, um, you know, claim to be the center of the universe? Um, how often do you def- do, you defer accomplishments to, Hey, really, these were accomplishments of the team, as opposed to, you know, standing up and banging your chest and saying, no, this was all me. Like it's, so I, I sum it up as culture. Um, but another word for it could be attitude.
2: All right, hold on. Let's take a quick break from the program. You see, if you've been keeping up with the news this year, well, you've probably heard everyone buzzing about AI. Well, guess what? You can achieve AI success through our transformative process of ideate, innovate, and industrialize. Well, get ready to revolutionize your business with FAIR, the Foundry for AI by Rackspace. At FAIR, we're on a mission to accelerate the responsible and sustainable adoption of generative AI solutions across industries. In just three weeks, our ID8 workshop will empower you to harness the raw power of generative AI. Imagine skyrocketing productivity, driving efficiency, and delivering unforgettable customer experiences. This is your chance to take the first steps in exploring the untapped potential of generative AI for your organization. In this workshop, our team of experts will meticulously evaluate the intended and unintended consequences of integrating generative AI into your operations. We'll ensure your data quality and integrity are top-notch and will guide you in embedding your company's values, fairness, and governance into your generative AI solutions. Through a series of short sprints, we'll identify the most relevant and impactful generative AI solutions tailored specifically for your business. And by the end of the workshop, you'll have a crystal clear understanding of how generative AI can revolutionize your organization and how your business goals can be supercharged by AI. So what are you waiting for? Visit us at fair.rackspace.com to learn more and secure your spot in our generative AI Ideation Workshop: Fair, driving innovation, excellence, and unparalleled success in the thrilling world of generative AI. Right, attitude. It's a great point. It'll um, because those are the things. Back to Travis, what you were talking about is that you, you know somebody's attitude, and which is a reflection of who they are, uh, is not the kind of thing you can coach out of them. It is just who they are.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think it's it's interesting, and this probably goes back to one of my earlier points about creating value or looking for opportunities or gaps within a team. I think that there is a tendency for a hiring manager or for a team that's looking for a new teammate yeah. to hire folks that look, sound, think the same way that they do. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of comfort. I think in that, right? It's the easy path. Uh, it's the easy path. It is. Uh, I'll tell you. I've got a. Uh, it's a really well-known you know element of how i build teams i love odd people i just like odd people in, in general right and so that but that's that that natural sort of curiosity and and as has kind of helped me build some really really neat teams in the past teams that you would not typically think would work well
2: yeah
0: uh, or great things together but uh i think having a really really diversified team is is, is super super key there
2: That is, that is super important. Now that takes me to, to really where I wanted to get one of the main things I wanted to talk about. And that is, you know, we've seen in the past, in the past, probably three or four years, a lot of very public companies saying we are taking off the requirement for a four year degree from, from the hiring requirements that must have to, we would really like this person to have it, but they don't actually have to have a a four year degree. And, and I wanted to go to this just simply, um, because I think there's a lot of folks who are really wondering, especially in a tech industry, is that something they have to get alongside of getting their um, uh, the technical certifications that they might need to do the job as well? And in a bit of, of utter transparency, the way that I've grown up through my career, and by the way, tech is is the second career, is there is no four-year degree uh, hanging on my wall because it just doesn't exist. Um so I snuck through the cracks, uh, but but so so how important is that to each of you in your hiring in in fulfilling the roles that that you've got on your teams?
1: I'll I'll start. So uh, you know, look like you, Jeff. When I started at Rackspace, I also didn't have a four year degree um, under my belt, and um, you know it's something that. I, well, it doesn't hurt for somebody to have it but it's, it's right. far from it's far from a requirement um, And you know I think that in the tech industry um, it really is about showing your capability and what you can do especially when I think about my time hiring like um, individual contributors right your yes. Linux, Linux admin threes or your you know Linux engineers or your virtualization operators right like hiring those folks, it's pretty easy to like have a conversation with them or sit them down at a terminal and say like, show me what you can do. And then it, at that point it really doesn't matter if, if you know the they lit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 that's exactly it. I mean um, it's been, it's been a while since I've even looked at statistics of this on like my direct teams. And so I, I, truthfully, I do not know uh, what the makeup of my direct team is for um, has a degree versus doesn't. But I can tell you that when I, when I pulled the organization that I was leading about four years ago, it was about, uh, you know, 150 or so people. um, It was, it was roughly 50, 50, um, I, I had about half that had a four-year degree and about half that didn't. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I, I, again, I'd sum it up as it certainly doesn't hurt. Um, but it's also not a requirement. Right. And it can bring great
2: value provided, you know, there's, there's a, there's a direct parallel. I mean, I would want my doctor to have a degree ideally. I th- so. There's well said, the well industry. said. Yeah. How about you, Travis?
0: Uh, I'll tell you when, uh, when, when hiring, um, the the education section is probably the last section that I look at. Uh, and when I do see it, my response is kind of like, Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That's probably the extent of it. Right. Um, but with that said, uh, I think that there's value in depending on the personality or depending on the way that your brain works. Um, and so I know that, I'm a very mechanically minded person and I made Linux my hobby at a point in time, right yeah. And so it was all I did every day all day. Um, and that's how I learned it. Yeah. But there are people that required learning in a more structured way, right uh, or don't have some of the context that's required to you know piece together a virtual mechanical system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know I think that supporting structured elements there, can be really, really valuable for the right mindset. That can also be really, really, really disengaging and, you know, kind of stunting for uh, the wrong personality or a different type of personality. Yeah. Very interesting.
2: Uh, because especially in an industry like ours, where maybe, so Josh, you mentioned an example of not taking down a, a hospital, but um, where a mistake doesn't necessarily mean that somebody dies. You know, it just means that, you know, the system maybe doesn't get built right or, or, or whatever. I mean, it's thing you can recover from. And, uh, and so. What what gets more important then is can you deliver the work product? Can you do the thing? Um, can you can you build the 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 Linux environment? Can you, you know, chat online with somebody, and get it solved for? And then can you build a following and a reputation for being able to learn things and deliver them and grow inside of the company to be at a vice president level? And the, clearly that is that is yes here. Now, I think if you're going and hiring in a new CFO, probably looking for some letters behind their name, uh, um, and so, so we're not making bl- blanket statements here. Um, so we are getting close to the, the end of our, our time to talk, but I wanted to ask you one more, each of you, one more question. I didn't tell you I was going to ask this, uh, on purpose. Um, but you both been at Rackspace for a, a good long time. Now I'm asking this of people who work at other companies too. This isn't a sales pitch for Rackspace, but why are you bullish? I think we get why you like technology. You're just geeks. So welcome to the club. Glad you're here. Um, coffee will be served later. But um, but but why are you still you know powering it out here inside of Rackspace? You know there are those that would say, "Dude, the heyday was a long time ago. Why are you still there? Why are uh, assuming since I can still see your faces and I can still see you in in the gal that um, that you're bullish on us? Why why is that, Travis?"
0: Yeah. So one, there's a, there's a loyalty element, right? And this, this place helped build me into a professional and, you know, at some point in time, you know, I I want to make sure I paid that back. I've paid it back by now. (laughs) Um, so so I'm I'm here now because, uh, you know, I think that there's a strong population of technologists that, you know, I relate with, I feel accountable to. Mm. And, and uh we have to be successful. And you know, I think championing you know all the efforts that they're doing and being part of that and knowing what we're capable of uh by seeing them in motion, hearing our customers, you know, understand the value that we create for them on a daily, hourly basis. Uh it just it just fills my my bucket, right? Yeah. The possibility, the the impact that we do every day. Um, and you know what 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 got me here originally and it's still what's kept me here is Let's let's, let's say this. Uh, Most IT shops have the smartest person in the room, right? And they all know who it is, and they're usually a jerk, and they usually don't really do a great job sharing their information, right? Because they want to, they want to remain the smartest person in the room. I'll tell you, I don't feel like that person exists at RackSpace. Mm. There's a, there is a very intentional sharing of knowledge of, of cultivating pure growth right and and for me that, that, that mindset that, that culture it's hard to really train yeah. hard to lean since you're part of it and uh, I think that's one of the differentiators that's kind of fuels me great answer Josh what do you think yeah that, that was that was great
1: right I, for me it's simple I think um, the world needs fanatical support um, <laughs> the, the the world needs what we have um, and you know I think that the the need to simplify um you know, complex technical um, issues and problems that can ultimately lead to better business outcomes for customers. Um, I think there's a, a massive and immense need for that, um, and I think that to Travis's point, I think that we we can provide that for our customers. Um, You know, in spades. I think that we do we do a phenomenal job of that. One of the things that I always think is interesting when I go and visit with customers, right? So, like, let's let's take just a random example, like three hundred person financial services type company, right? Their IT department is going to be a couple dozen people, and to Travis's point, like they they might have some really really great it staff, but they can't do everything that the company wants to do to transform and to use technology to solve business problems. And, you know, then, then if you put yourself in the shoes of that, like CIO or CTO, who's trying to hire, you know, very specific, very high level talent into their business, man, it's, it is a nightmare. It is so difficult for them to, you know, be able to go and attract that caliber of talent. Um, and so they look to a trusted advisor, to a partner, to a provider like Rackspace to be able to fill those needs for them. Um, that's what, why you know I say the world needs fanatical support. The world needs you know what what Rackspace has, and I think that we can help accelerate customers, um, you know, uh, business solutions through technology with what we bring. Oh, great yeah. answers, both of you. When uh, you,
0: right, I'm gonna double down on one. Go one. for it. All right, all right. So when I when I joined Rackspace, uh, you know, I had built Red Hat clusters, right? I had built one Red Hat cluster for for our systems, right? And we built it, and I never touched it again because it just stayed up. Uh, and then when I joined Rackspace, I became a Linux engineer, building one to two to three of those a day, yeah. right? Um, that was the Linux example where the amount of exposure and opportunity of doing really unique things and neat things was was amplified like a very intense level. At yeah, Rackspace. the scale is insane. Yeah. And now that's changed for me over time, right? Now instead of deploying Red Hat clusters, you know, I am talking to all three hyperscalers on a daily basis about each of their emerging technologies. And I know how customers are using each of those platforms on a very, very real basis, right? There are very, very few worlds that operate in a true multi-cloud point of view yeah. and the intensity of, of the exposure and point of view that, that I'm provided on my current role is really, really unique, I feel. Ah,
2: great answers. So both of you had the opportunity in the earlier parts of your career to get to work with Lou Mormon, who was our our first president, and he was very famous for saying and repeating that everyone has their last day at Rackspace at some point. So, um, love that the fact that you're all bought in now. Don't uh, you know for, for now? Uh, but glad that you you are here and on the mission. Not saying that I don't know anything. Is
0: that something <laughs> we don't know, Josh? <laughs> I, don't, I
2: don't know, man. Choosing to be here now so that we all get to work together. It's really the the very poorly delivered compliment that I was attempting <laughs> to go with. So, or maybe something happens before we release this. Who knows? Where will all be? Anyway, thank you both for being on the program today. Uh, super interesting conversation. Um, and uh, love hearing about your individual stories, your journeys, as well as advice that you, you've you been giving out all the, along the way. So thanks so much for that.
1: This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your
0: favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com.
2: Well, those are two smart dudes, and I'm happy to say, a couple of really good friends. I hope you learned a few things from their experiences. Now, two episodes ago, I had the pleasure of having DK Cena on the program. Now, DK is the president of our public cloud here at Rackspace Technology. Now, in the next episode of Cloud Talk, I have his peer, the president of private cloud at Rackspace, Mr. Brian Lilly, on the program. You're going to be amazed at some of the things that he's had the opportunity to do. Do in his career. I hope you've subscribed to the podcast so that it shows up automatically in your feed. Now, if you're enjoying these conversations and want to pay it back a bit, how about leaving us one of those nifty five-star reviews or even sharing this podcast with a friend? And in the words of Kramer from Seinfeld in the Death Blow episode, I'd consider it a personal favor. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode, folks. We'll see you soon on the next episode of Clown Talk.